Somebody shout in this place. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Blessed be your holy name. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Just grab a neighbor's hand to the left and right. Thank you, O Lord God. Just pray in the spirit just for a moment. We'll call this the cool down. <laughs> and just begin to pray in the spirit. Thank you, O Lord God. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father, for this hour of prayer. Thank you, O Lord God. We thank you for this hour of prayer in the mighty name of Jesus. Now we, we have prayed, O Lord God, your perfect will. And as you're praying, declare what you want to see over your week next week. Declare what is supposed to happen regardless of what the devil says. Regardless to the weapons he has formed and regardless to the blueprints he has planned. We declare that next week will be a phenomenal week. We thank you that these prayers go before us, O oh Lord God. These prayers go before us and prosper our way. In the mighty name of Jesus. your hands now and give God thanks and praise that everything that we have prayed has already come to pass. The Holy Ghost is working. The angels are working. The kingdom of God is working on your behalf. What a mighty God we serve. The God we serve also serves us. Father, we thank you, O Lord God, for the covenant that we have with the king of the universe. We thank you, O Lord God, for this hour of prayer. Thank you, O Lord, for this hour of supplication, intercession, giving of thanks. You said one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand. Therefore, we were. Thank you, O Lord God, for the millions that have been put a flight as a result of those who have come together in prayer on this morning. 
in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, O Lord God. Fill us with the knowledge of your will, O Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Let me just share something with you before I have you seated and we jump into the message. Um, you know, if you just, I hate to say this this way, if you just come to church, particularly if you don't serve, if you just come to church, you don't really add a lot of input. You're just kind of there to receive the word, and that's part of it. But, you know, I've been doing a lot of soul searching for the last few weeks here. And uh, just thinking about a great many things, you know, changes that I need to make, realizing that certain things, you know, because of how people are. And it's crazy. I mean, one of the things that I realized is that the devil is very, very, very good at trickery. He's very, very good at tricking you out of things. The, the first thing the Bible says is that he's a thief and a really good thief. A thief that wants to steal from you for a moment may not have a problem being exposed. But a thief that wants to steal from you for a lifetime will stay hidden forever. And so he's stealing from us. Um, but part of the game plan is to steal from you and you never realize that you're being stolen from. And so I recognize that one of the things that the devil has done and, and, and it, this thing, see, when we think about the thief, we think about him stealing from us. Wrong. The first person he's stealing from is God. Okay. And so in order to steal from God what God wants to do in planet Earth, I must get your, I must get your children to think a particular way. And now prayer is for the old grandmothers, you know what I'm saying? It's not for a young man. It's not for a young woman. You know, and, and I will steal their destinies. I will steal power. I will steal healing. I will steal the will of God. And I'll be stealing from them and their father over one thing, prayer. That's why Jesus said my temple should be called a house of prayer. And so it's the one thing, you all, that we have to get into the mindset of, this mindset of, you know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we are God's workers, we are God's field, and we are God's building. Each one of those is a separate teaching. But when it says we are God's workers, that means that we work for God. But the question is, do we work for God or just come to church? And, and God is trying to accomplish something that he can't because people are caught up in religious church services and not working. And one of the first ways that you work is to be able to come, whether in your personal time, of course. I mean, throughout the week, of course, that's mandatory. You know, but what makes corporate prayer different than your solo time is, again, the Bible says one can put a thousand, two can put ten thousand. So when you are not here, you are having a huge detriment to what God can do. Because when you refuse to come, we're not talking about people, I mean, no, people got stuff to do. I mean, now make sure it's not more important than this. We're not talking about you need to go shopping first thing in the morning to get a discount. You will leave that discount alone. Okay. But what I'm saying is, is that, is that the devil will convince you not to be here for prayer, you know, and give you every excuse under the book because he knows that if one can put 2,000, two can put 10,000, how many know that's a strange math? Okay, you went from one to 10,000. So when the third person shows up, what did that jump to? See, and so, so your unwillingness to be here or online and pray and be praying for real, um, it's, it's a huge multiplying factor. That's the power of corporate prayer. That's the reason why we can come together 
and those who come and pray are weak goes different because of the power that is, you know what I'm saying? And again, I told you the example of the two horses. One horse could pull, I believe it was 5,000 pounds. No, yeah. One horse pulled 5,000. The other horse pulled 4,000. When they put the horses together, they thought that they were going to pull 9,000. But the horses ended up producing and pulling 12,000. And the scientists said, they said, there is some mysterious power that is created. They said, when you add another person to the group. So no, of course, sometimes, you know, my own daughter, she has a volleyball game today. We, have, we understand you have that life, like, you know, we have life. But you want to make sure it's a priority and that you're putting forth the effort to do this because you have no idea how much power is created when we come together in prayer. And that's the reason why, even though the Bible says it's called the temple, temple is called the house of prayer. It's the least thing that happens in church. I'm not against worship and praise, but he didn't say it was the house of worship and praise. He said it's the house of prayer. And you go to most churches now, and maybe they might do an opening prayer before worship service. They'll worship and do songs for 30 minutes. And I, I really hate to just mention this to you, where God will receive. Here's the sad part. Here's the sad part. Didn't plan on sharing none of this. What's so dangerous about praise and worship in most places is that the people singing it are not living right or are not really there. They're just singing it because that's what you're supposed to do at the moment. They're just doing the praise and worship. And so even during the praise and worship at most churches, God has to look through that and turn his face. Because number one, the song that you're singing, you don't even like the song. There are some people that literally do not come to church because they don't like praise and worship. There are other people that don't come to church because they don't like prayer. There are some people that don't come to church because they don't like the word. They, they, they come early and leave. They, they stay for their parts. And Lord is just recording this every day. I have no idea the detriment is going to be against their reward. So that's the first problem is that, is that people are singing these songs, but they don't mean it. You can tell. People just getting you looking around. They're singing it. Some of them just stand there and saying, I can understand if you're new here. You're a little uncomfortable. You know, and then you have people who, you know, um, God does not listen to people singing to him that are living in sin. Sorry. No matter how good the song is. There are no songs down here that are good compared to what's up there. Okay. So, and that's why, of course, we have to hear the music. We have to hear tones. The person is on the microphone. They got to be in key. God doesn't listen to that. He listens to the heart. So the person that sounds like a, a, a parrot with a broken leg, the Lord says, that's the most beautiful sound I ever heard because it's coming from the heart. Have you ever been to a church and, 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 and some lady gets up? Holy Ghost gave me a song. I'm like, oh, here it goes. We're getting ready to go down to the ground. <laughs> and, and it sounds like an animal. You know what I'm saying? She, and y'all like, oh, praise him, Jesus. Praise. You ever been there before? Sound terrible to you, sound wonderful to God. Because the person wanted to sing to God, didn't matter their voice. So, so you have that, and then you have people who didn't sing it. So the cool thing about prayer, though, is that prayer bypasses your mind. Your intellect and your feelings don't have to be involved when it comes to praying in tongues. You understand what I'm saying? And then on top of that, God can't move in the earth based on praise. He moves in the earth based on prayer. And we're in a war. Prayer is extremely important. I'm sorry. Praise is extremely important. It's one of the forces uh, of God. But, but it's like everything is going on except for that one thing. And I have to keep on making adjustments. I've made the last adjustment based on the last 12 years. Moving forward is now the new level what I'm getting ready to adjust. I have to turn this back. Personally, I think we got six years left max. But I'm 90% sure of that. Okay. 
So I'm just encouraging you. You know, these things have to be taught. You know, I have children. Wonderful. We have six and we're never late to church. Sometimes we went to two services. We got up in enough time to give our children oatmeal, banana, cereal, wherever else. We gave them thick stuff so they wouldn't be crying in 10 minutes, you know. Not no flimsy cereal. Give them oatmeal. They just swell up. Give them some noodles. Give them some, some pizza and spaghetti for breakfast. Give them stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? She said, swell, yeah. And so they'll stay full a little bit longer. You know, but I'm just encouraging you. Don't feel condemned if you don't make it, but make your best effort to be here because I was thinking this morning, I think this was the Holy Spirit. Not everything is the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's your own spirit that gives you, you know. One of the things that I was realizing is that God always wants to make a statement. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He did give me the scripture. The eyes of the Lord go back and forth throughout planet Earth looking for someone through whom he can show himself strong. That's very difficult for him today. Because he, see, right now, so the more I keep turning the ship, the more pastors reach out to me and say, dude, you do realize that you're doing everything wrong according to the church experts. Yeah, I've had several guys, I had three guys probably in the last month, they told me, yeah, they out here teaching us, man, that we can only preach for like 15, 20 minutes in order to hold their attention. I said, well, I'll break that law five times in one sermon. <laughs> y'all know what I'm saying? And so, and so the, you know, when Jesus preached, y'all know that the people, the people stood there with their, their, their husbands, wives, and, and children, and they stood there for three days and didn't eat. That's the word was so good. Power, you know what I'm saying? Just the word. Just listen to him preach. I mean, Paul, he preached all, I remember that scene in Acts. It said he started in the evening. He preached all night. Around 3 o'clock, one of the guys was sitting in the windowsill. He fell asleep, fell out the window, fell down to the ground, died. Paul resurrected him from the dead and, and then finished his sermon. <laughs> My, how we have fallen to live your life through the week, come to a church service, and then go back to the norm. And then God has a great reward for you. No, that ain't happening, dude. So... You know, I'm going to be very, very careful. You know, there are times in my life when the Lord will pull back a curtain and show me that even in your midst, many are not going to get much. Worst thing is when he pulls back the curtain and he says, and you losing because you are allowing people to get to you that are not right. That was a hard pill for me to swallow. He said, you all, you all. He said, there are people he said, that are around you, the people that you have to deal with. He said, and they're not right. They're not treating you right. They're not doing you right. They're talking about you, you everything. And he said, you slowly but surely, he said, it's a trick of the enemy. Slowly but surely, using that. You know, Paul made a statement. You know what he said? He said, the more I love you all, he said, the less I'm being loved. And that can affect you as a leader. I know you feel it. It can affect you. He's like, you get to a point like, what am I doing this for? You know, and it's the enemy deceiving you. What are you doing this for? I mean, it's like, you know, and it's, you know, it's for, you know, it's crazy, you all, is that you have five knuckleheads and the enemy will get you to focus on the five knuckleheads and not the 50 that's doing right. And so I'm going to, I'm going to make some decisions in the future and I'm sure people may get offended, but I'll bet you I'll keep rising. You know, the strangest, you know, the hardest thing in the world, hard positions are Gideon. Gideon and people like Moses and leaders like us were sandwiched in the middle because when people come to church, they think it's our church. Lord, I, I love your ministry. Wonderful. I didn't know I had one. 
That's the, one of the greatest things Bishop taught me. He said, you never say you have a ministry because you don't. He said, you are running something for someone upstairs. But when people come to church, they think it's my ministry. And so when I don't make decisions that they want me to make, they get offended at me. No, get offended at God because I'm very good at following instructions. So it's dangerous. See, so in the Bible, the Lord would speak to leaders and say, get rid of this guy. Get rid of this girl. Okay. Now, I haven't had to do that. The Lord always did it for me, maybe because I was moving too slow. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. You got to deal with something, too. You know, and um, but Bishop O. Udipo, the Lord told him, as long as that woman is a part of your ministry, he said, it won't go to the next level. You must remove her. You know how hard that is for the man to call? Bishop, he had to call that woman's husband and say, sorry, y'all got to go. Guess what? They are offended probably still to this day. I'm sure congregation members, man, what type of man of God asked people to leave his church? Uh, the type of man of God to recognize that he doesn't have one. And, and that's the stage is that I'm telling you, the stage that we're moving into, you might, you might want to make sure that you're supposed to be here for the right reason and the right heart. Because otherwise, the Lord might say, remove that individual. They're not bad. I mean, can you imagine having an army of 33,000 men and only 300 are qualified? Do you realize what position you got to be in when you made one decision and now thousands of people are offended at you? But it wasn't my decision. But they still, they don't get mad at God, they get mad at you. And that's where I am. And I have a, I have a, I'm at a crossroads where I have to make decisions based on what God tells me. Or I have to make decisions based on what's comfortable. There was one man of God, I won't mention his name, that he died he died because he wouldn't follow one instruction. There are levels that you get to, folks. See, everybody wants the power to come back to the church and the authority to come back to the church and the glory to come back to the church and the wealth to come back to the church and the power to come back to the church. Mm -hmm, that's a cost. Y'all remember Ananias and Sapphire? People wanted to go to the level, but then the, the, guess what? As it's going up, unfortunately, the Lord might drop you off because where we're going would kill you. And the longer you've been saved, the more dangerous it is. New people get grace. They don't know anything. They, they just found out the fornication was wrong. You know what I'm saying? They don't, I'm just encouraging you all that, that you're going to have to really take your life serious and recognize you only exist for one reason, to prepare for the other side. You're not here to prepare for retirement. Nobody should be retiring anyway. You should switch from one job to another. Okay, if you, if, when you retire, been at a job for 40 years, spend the rest of your life serving God and volunteering at the church and in the community and the hospitals and the life. All of that. Ain't no such thing as retiring. Y'all remember Moses? Joshua tried to retire at 80. He said, Lord, I'm tired. It wasn't even 80. Well, how old he? The man was old. He's like, Lord. And he, listen to his retirement. Lord, I'm tired of winning. <laughs> Tired of fighting and getting all of this money, <laughs> killing all these people in advance. And can I get a break? He said, Nope, I don't care how old you are. He said, I still have much more territory. Fight till you die. You understand what I'm saying? So, just encouraging you because there are things coming. Things coming. Nobody is prepared for it, not even me. The thing I'm telling you is things coming. And it'll only be our prayers that when that comes, I used to say this it's a storm coming. But Lionheart Church will be one of those that have the umbrellas. Amen. And this time of prayer is producing the umbrellas for the future. Yes. Yes. Trust me, stuff is coming, and it's for the purpose of bringing revelation to pass 
and shaken planet earth to its core. You wouldn't listen to the preachers. You wouldn't listen to your parents. You wouldn't listen to the word. You wouldn't listen to the Holy Ghost. You wouldn't listen to the dreams. Let's switch and use terror now. Remember what the Bible says about in Revelation? It says the more terror came, it says they still wouldn't repent. Terror sometimes is God's mercy. I love you so much, I'll scare you into the kingdom if I have to. How many know some people that they almost lost their life, and I was it, Lord, I just take you as my Lord and Savior, because that 18-wheeler um, ran right through me, and I didn't die, so I think it's time for me to come in. <laughs> How many of y'all been in one of them scenarios? Sometimes scenarios just eat the wrong tacos. Lord, I'll be, I'll be. Hallelujah. <laughs> so y'all got me? Hallelujah. Father, in Jesus' name, prepare us, O Lord God, for these last and evil days. Help us to stay clean. Help us to stay committed. Remove the religious spirit out of us and the mindset, that church mindset, those church slogans that mean nothing to the kingdom of God. Help us, O Lord God, to be recognized in heaven as the last day kings and queens who wielded our sword at a higher level than anyone else. Give us wisdom, give us power, and give us strength. Thank you for this. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Give someone a high five. Give them a hug. Tell them you're glad to see them, and you may be seated. people committed eventually we won't have room for anything we're gonna start start moving towards uh, doing some things to this uh, doing some more things to this building and moving much 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 faster so but uh, so you know I'm, I'm gonna announce something right quick I am, uh, I am uh, you know the Bible never told um, sinners to come to us. He commanded us to go to them. And that's another dilemma, particularly that's more of a North American thing. When you, you go over to the Middle East, all of those countries, instead of me trying to announce every country, let me just say pretty much in North America, United States, Canada, UK, uh, well, actually some of the German, Swedes, Netherlands, New Zealand, Iceland, you know, they're hardly even doing anything. In America, you, what we're used to is inviting someone to church. That's a good start. You know, when you go over into the Indian, Pakistan, Middle East, um, Africa, um, China, um, they go out. I was blown away when I went to South Korea and I saw Yonggi Cho's church. He was, had 10 locations. And location number one, I think, sat like, I don't know, 10,000 people. And all of these locations were big. He had 10 locations in the same city and was doing seven services a Sunday in 10 different locations at the same time. And one of the things that blew me away was is that he did no offerings in the service and they did no altar calls in the service and they did no announcements in the service. It was just prayer and, and then a song, then prayer, then a song, then prayer, then the word, then prayer, see you. And that blew me away 
And the reason why they did it that way is because they had anointed and, and, and released and taught the congregation to no matter where they go, get people saved on the street, you get their phone number, and then you bring them to church. And so it was amazing to see that concept. And so, um, um, you know, so this next phase, you know, I'll read the scripture, Luke 14, 23, says, the Lord said unto the servant, go out into the highway. I think it's something wrong when you got to get on an airplane and come, and this happens every week. Every weekend, people fly in or they drive in from other states. I think that's absolutely ludicrous that in order for you to just hear a word from God, you got to go to another state or another country. That's how flat things are right now. And um, 
And so, uh, so I'll have to prepare for the future in that regards. Keep it very, very light today. We're going to read. You know, we've been talking about, um, um, so yes, that's what Atlanta School of Ministry is about. Let me go ahead and get into this sermon instead of doing all of this side talking. So I'll be announcing that. There'll be a graphic on the website in a couple of days on our website for you to be able to take that, sign up, boom. It's going to be a phenomenal class. Phenomenal. I, it's so phenomenal, I can't get my notes right. I, I, it's, it's so in-depth. I'm like, Holy Spirit, this is just too much. I got to, how do I, I can't even, I got to pray. <laughs> Help me, Father. Ecclesiastes 1, 9 through 11. History merely, history merely repeats itself. It has been all done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Sometimes people say here is something new, but actually it's old. Nothing is ever truly new. We don't remember what happened in the past, and in future generations, no one will remember what we are doing right now. So that is a law that things that have been will always be so that you will never be able to say there's nothing new under the sun. So if you want some revelation, it's very important for us to understand the times and seasons. The Bible says that those that have gone to heaven before us cannot be perfected without us. There's something about this last generation that all of the ones before us, there's something that they're going to receive if we get it right. And so as a result of that, it's very important for us to know the times, the seasons, all of those things. And so here are two books that I encourage you to get based on that scripture. You know, because you're like, all of these things are happening in the planet Earth. Yes, old stuff just repeating itself. Those are two books. One, some of you already have it. You don't need to get Harbinger Part 1. Just get Harbinger Part 2 because it brings you up to speed in regards to all of these fancy shoes. I keep looking at all these fancy shoes and Nikes. And he got on pink Nikes. He got on the shoes that I need. Sorry, I just got distracted for a second. I just got a pair of those. Those are nice. Okay. But, but, but. <laughs> That's why I keep looking down here at everybody's shoes. Okay. Uh, Harbinger Part 2. The Harbinger Part 2 will bring you up to speed pretty much where we are now. Harbinger Part 2 will bring you up to speed from when 9-11 happened all the way up until when COVID ended. When you see the events that happened in between 9-11 and COVID, that is very, very, it is beyond alarming. It is beyond scary. There are things happening right in front. You ever seen something on the news, and but you knew it was more to it? Yeah, those sometimes are called what you call harbingers. It's, you know it's more to it because there is something to it. It was a sign based on a sequence, based on where we are going. Okay, one of them was when, uh, I, won't, I don't want to mention names, but when you have, you know, we had a um, particular sports individual that everyone loves that passed away. That was one. The, the guy that played back Panther, that was another one. Okay, God did not kill them. Okay, some fool on YouTube wants to twist what I want to say. But what happens is in their deaths, it ends up making a statement. And, and the body of Christ is so behind these things when it comes to wisdom, you know, we just shout out a rest in peace. And that's all. But Harbinger Part 2 and then the paradigm, the paradigm will show you how the political structure in the United States is following a template and a timeline that already happened before in Scripture. That no one has read that. What's funny is the people that want to argue with me before they read the book. I tell them, don't call me, don't email me until you read the book. And then the next day they email me. I disagree. You can disagree all you want to. Nobody is ready. 
Jay, and so nobody that read that book came back and told me that Donald Trump wasn't supposed to be president. You can't, unless you deceive yourself. See, and so, and, and all you gotta do, see God does the same thing. How many of you know, no, I don't need to go through all of that. I don't wanna jump into that. So it shows, it proves to you scripturally, Donald Trump, President Obama, Vice Pence, Bush, and the Clintons were supposed to be president because they were following a biblical timeline. Everybody thinks they know everything all the time. It just gets on my last nerve. You can't hardly find your way home from downtown without GPS. But you're an expert on presidents and what God is doing in the nation. I'm sorry. You know, ignorance and arrogance do not go together like bleach and ammonia. It produces a bomb called stupidity. Okay, so I encourage you to get that. You need to be educated so that you are not duped. And one of the ways that you can be duped is you don't understand what's going on in front of you, so you talk and complain and gossip the wrong way and mess up your reward. You, you, you don't ever want to be on the wrong side of God, and you can do that easily when you're ignorant. Understand what I'm saying? There are much bigger things at play here, much bigger things. Okay, But, you know, people are going to do what they want to do. So we've been talking about the word this month, and we're going to close it down. Next month, we're actually going to start that one talking about how to brace ourselves for the plagues and the sickness and disease that is getting ready to come. The United States has been very vocal about, I'm sorry, the World Health Organization has been very vocal in the last few weeks about they said, it's coming, get ready for it. They said, this is not, this is not a F. They've been very bold. They said, this is not a F. I'm like, what do you fools know already? What did y'all let out of the laboratory this time? So, so they they warning everybody. Get brace for it. It's all coming. It's gonna hit the whole planet. It's, no, it's going. No, it's not gonna hit the whole planet. A thousand shall fall to the left, and a thousand shall fall to the right. <laughs> and uh, it's illegal to come to my house. Maybe it's coming to your house as a scientist, but as a son of God, it's not coming to my house. If it comes to my house, it's just going to stand there. Why can't we get in? Oh, it's him. Oh, it's them. All of them. All of us against all of them. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So, so we're going to do that next month. Start on, on healing. And, um, <sighs> nope, I'm not going to do it. I get too excited sometimes. <clears throat> so, We've been talking about the word. I want to show you a couple of things that are in there. Isaiah 46, 9, 10 says, Remember the things I've done in the past, for I alone am God. I am God, and there is no one like me. Only I can tell you the future before it happens. Everything I plan will come to pass. For I do whatever I wish, regardless of your attitude. People crack me up to my, I'm going to leave God. And he's supposed to start crying. Anyway, but he said, only I can tell you the future before it happens. You know, we've done our best to try to get you to understand the importance of the first rule of anything, which is reading the Bible, reading it and studying it. And people are still making excuses, and I understand that. Sometimes, Tommy, you know, sometimes you have to hear something several times, and then it shocks you. Came across a man online uh, this week, and he reads, he reads the entire Bible every 40 days. 
He gets through it nine times a year. I had to pause for a second. Lord, I, I, <laughs> he's not a preacher. He's not a pastor, not a minister. He, I just value a book written by an eternal king. And that eternal king told me to read it this way. Therefore, I read it this way. And he gets through it every 40 days. Some of you are like, mm, I haven't got through 40 pages in a year, Jesus. Come on. And so you need people in your life that like, like that to make you feel like you're not doing anything so that you can come up. You know what I'm saying? T.D. Jakes said that. I'll never forget that years ago. He said, you should always have somebody in your life that makes you feel like a bomb. And as a result of that, it'll make you look in the mirror. I don't want to be a bum anymore. I want to come up. Y'all know what I'm saying? You need people in your life like that. For me, it's Bishop Oedipo. <laughs> For whatever industry you're in, find somebody that's on that level and follow them. And they will rebuke you. I'm more interested in rebukes than accolades. I'm, I'm just being honest with you. You know, uh, I look for rebukes because I want to know what I'm doing wrong so I can get it right. Okay? So, you know, um, put up this first graphic, that first graphic. Some of you have been in the spiritual growth class. You've heard me teach this. And so, uh, but uh, give me the thumbs up when they put it up. So, with, there are so many hidden things in the Bible. And the enemy tries to, he, he does, he, his numero uno job is to keep you out of that book. And to think that, and to convince you that it's just a book. It's not even called a Bible, we called it that. It's called the Word of God. That's what's so interesting. I'm not, don't go around marching. We're not calling the Bible no more and starting a YouTube video. Whew. Okay, but it's called the Word of God. And so if it's the Word of God, then that came out of him. And it's on paper. But it's something about it that's very hidden. I'm just going to bring out one hidden thing. And then we're going to read the longest chapter in the Bible. And I'll be done because I'm just chilling today. How many of you know that there is potassium in a banana and there is vitamin C in an orange? Would you not still get the benefit of the potassium and the vitamin C if you did not know it was there? If you eat it. So, so if you eat it, it doesn't matter what's there, Jesus. It doesn't matter if you don't know what's in it. As long as you eat it, you get all of it. So you have to start asking your question, what is actually in the word where the devil doesn't want you to eat it? What's the invisible stuff? See, you see the words, but what's behind the words? I mean, it's, it's a sick, never mind. Uh-oh. Okay, I'll put up that. Next one. It's the graphic. Oh, wow, that's terrible. I thought they had tested it before. So none of them are showing? All right. Well, it looks like we'll be going to plan B on that one. Mm, mm, mm. I wish I could have shown that to y'all. Well, then just go to the graphic that says the Bible is engineered. So let me pull it up this way. Man, that really threw me off. But that's okay. So what you'll find in the Bible is when you convert it to the Hebrew language, the Bible that you read in English is taken from the original Hebrew and Greek Bible. God had the Bible um, uh, written in those two languages because they're very expressive. When you reduce everything down 
to uh, the Hebrew language and you take out all of the spaces, it spells out everything in human history before it happened. And so I wish I could show you what that looked like, but imagine, and so like you'll have one particular scripture and in that particular scripture, right all over the place, it'll spell out something that happens in history. And so the mathematical, you know, you can't even calculate it of that happening, you know, five times, let alone all over the place. And so like there's one scripture, you know, it says that the computer would, uh, uh, in the Bible code, it says that the computer would be the thing that would unlock secret codes in the Bible. Uh, the angel told Daniel, he said, make sure that you seal these things up in this book. He said, it will only be unlocked at the time of the end when knowledge increases. And so God sealed. And so what's so funny is to watch men create technology and think that they've beaten God. Now the Bible is archaic. No, your technology brought, you couldn't even see what was in this technological document until you came up in the area of technology. Unbelievable. And so in the Bible code, if you, uh, it says the computer would shut up the words and seal the book until the end. In the Bible code, it says things like Clinton is president. It brings up Watergate. Who is he? The president, but he was kicked out. Y'all know who that is, Nixon. It says economic, I'm just, I'm just reading it to you. I'm just reading it to you. I knew I felt strange this morning. Okay. Right across each other, it says economic collapse, the depression, 1929, stocks. Man on the moon, spaceship. Hitler, evil man, Nazi and enemy, slaughter. Shakespeare, presented on stage, Macbeth, Hamlet. Now remember, this Bible was written two, three thousand years ago. Okay, so we'll just start over so now y'all can see what it looks like. Hallelujah, y'all can see, right? So, so that's what the Hebrew Bible looks like with Hebrew letters. Okay, and so, and so in that particular passage of scripture, see those that are circled and square? That, that is the code right there. So it's a cross. It's not like you find Clinton over here and then, and then five chapters later you find president. You know what I'm saying? It has to be right across each other. Go to the next one. He sealed the book in time, until the time of the end for you encoded hidden secrets. See where it's coded right there? Go to the next one. Clinton, president. See how it's crossing each other right there? Next. And this is just in, and so when you go through the scriptures, just in that one particular passage, that one verse, you'll see this. Okay, Watergate, who is he? President, but he was kicked out. Next one. Economic collapse, the depression, 1929, stocks. Now what is the coincidence of all of that information that happened in 1929 being in that one scripture passage? See, this is what it means when God said, I speak the end from the beginning. <laughs> Go to the next one. Man on the moon, spaceship. We read that one. We can go to the next one. Hitler, evil man, Nazi and enemy, slaughter. Again, what's, now you got to remember. See, I want you to, see, let me tell y'all something. The Bible was written by 40 different men. When it comes to the true, God uses many that all say the same thing. When it comes to the false, you got to trust one man. 
When it comes to uh, Buddhism, you got to trust one man who saw a vision. When it comes to the Muslim faith, you got to trust one man. When it comes to Hare Krishna, you got to trust one man. When it comes to the Church of Satan, I put them all in the same camp, by the way. You got to trust one man. When it comes to Jesus, you got to trust 40 who never met each other. Three different, three different continents, different social, economic, racial backgrounds. Most of them never met, yet their writings all match perfect. The Bible says that when Jesus got up from the dead, it says that 500 witnesses saw him. God always has multiple, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Y'all understand me? Okay, so now where was I going with that? Let's just keep going. Maybe it'll come back. <laughs> so Hitler, evil man, Nazi enemy. No, 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 I didn't mean like go back. Let me go back to the original screen. All right, move forward. Oh, so that's what I was going to say. So let's, let's read the next one first, and then I'll make the statement. Go to the next slide. Shakespeare presented on stage Macbeth Hamlet. Now, here's the problem. Forty different men write the Bible. When they're writing the Bible, they don't know that they're writing prophecy. They don't also know that they're writing code. I won't even fool with the mathematical code where just in Genesis 1 verse 1 alone, there are about 40 variations of no matter how you rework that scripture, it can always be divided by seven. If you take the first letter of every word in Genesis 1-1 and sum it up, it can be divided by seven. The last letter of each word, the vowels, the subject, you can twist it, you can rework it. It's always divided by seven. He put a mathematical code in there because seven is perfection to help you understand that the Bible is perfect, unlike these idiots who talk about, you know, all of this stuff on, you know, these, you know what one lady told me? Sorry, I'm in a different mall today. She told me, uh, what, I was talking about reading the Bible multiple times. She said, well, after you read it once, isn't that good enough? Shouldn't you know everything? <sighs> uh, when you were in school, did you understand half the book when you read it once? Matter of fact, you didn't even read it. If you were like me, you just studied it to make sure that you got an A or a B on the test. Care nothing about this information. Go to the next one. Next one, oh. Wright Brothers Airplane. It's, yeah, it truly is unbelievable because we're, you're reading a code based on scripture that was written 2,000, 3,000 years ago. So they're writing this and don't even know that they're writing the code about everything that's gonna happen in the future. Next one, Edison, electricity, light bulb. Oh, I just pulled out a few. This is just a couple. Go to the next one. Go to the next one again. Apparently, I had a duplicate in there. Einstein, science. He overturned the present reality. A new and excellent understanding. That's God's definition of technology. They prophesied a brainy person. So not only did it say this man Einstein was going to come into planet Earth, but apparently there was a church service where they prophesied it. <laughs> Go to the next one. So you need to get a catalog next time you run into the black Hebrews. <laughs> Roosevelt, president, he gave the order to strike on the day of the great defeat. And also, you read the language, Pearl Harbor is encoded and the words destruction of the fortress run across it. The naval base is identified as the location of the fleet. It also so appears with World War and December 7, 
7th and Hiroshima. <laughs> Go to the next one. Atomic Holocaust, 1945, Japan. Everything is spelled out, y'all. These are just a couple. The Jewish rabbis believe that every single person that will give their life to Christ is in the Bible. And it kind of messes up your mind. It's like, uh, if you know all of this stuff is going to happen, why don't you stop it? That's how I think. It's a lot of stuff that we don't know about spiritual laws and time and eternity and that which has been and that which will always be. Watch this. If that scripture is true, that which is is which will always be. Well, a friend of mine used to say that. He said if there was rebellion with Satan against God, he said, and then Adam messed up, who's to say it wouldn't happen again in the future? And how many times has it happened in the past? Next one. Oswald, marksman, name of the assassin who will assassinate. You know, that's the man. Go to the next screen. You know, that's the guy that killed Kennedy. Y'all remember this, the Oklahoma bombing? His name is Timothy McVeigh, day 19 on the ninth hour. He ambushed, he pounced terror in the morning. I know the future before it happens. Now watch this. Now, do you see this level of technology? That's the invisible stuff that's in the Bible. And if you read the Bible, that type of technology starts affecting your mind. And you become a person of unusual depth and wisdom because you put, how many of you know, when you eat that banana, you enjoyed the banana, but the potassium is what made you healthy. Next one. Com this one always messes me up. Comet 2012, Earth Annihilated. Now, how many of y'all know that they made a movie called 2012 where the Earth was supposed to be annihilated? What you don't know is that there was a real comet headed toward planet Earth in 2012. And, I, and, and it, it only missed planet Earth by 17,000 miles. The satellites in outer space are further than where that meteor almost hit. Now, what I found very interesting is that the meteor actually hit another planet. But you can't find that, you can't find that information anymore. I spent a whole hour looking. I kept putting in different variations in Google, and it just says that the asteroid missed planet Earth. It did not say what actually happened and that it hit one of the other planets. See, one of the things you got to recognize, and I hate to say this, no, no FBI going to show up in my front door, but you're in the United States government and other governments know that this Bible code exists. They're also using it. They're also trying to stop it. How many of you know abortion is wrong? Did that stump the, does that stop the government from trying to push it? How many of you know it's wrong, it's wrong for me and Joe to put on a skirt and go into the women's bathroom? Does that stop the government from trying to stop it? How many of you know, there's a whole lot of stuff in the Bible that it says you should not do. Does that stop people in charge from doing it? No. Then why do you think that there, if there is a Bible code that talks about what's going to happen, how many of you know, you ever notice in the movies that they're always trying to stop what's going to happen? And mysteriously, they built these spaceships. This asteroid is headed at us at a gazillion miles an hour. Planet Earth is coming to the end in three months. They built a spaceship in two weeks head out there and meet this thing, land on top of it, and the rest of the story is their struggle, and at the last minute, brother, they blow this asteroid up, and all of mankind rejoices. Yeah, not gonna happen at the end of days, dude. It's not gonna happen. It's called Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Go to the next graphic. It was destroyed because of this. Comet, it will be crumbled. I will tear it to pieces in 2012. 
There's the truth. That is very much what happened to the comet that hit Jupiter before it struck the planet. It crumbled into 20 separate pieces. But then each of them bombarded Jupiter every day for a week. Right in the Bible code. And they made a movie about it. And it actually happened. Next one. Ooh, Twin Towers. It knocked down twice airplane. Go to the next one. We're almost done. Sin, crime of bin Laden, the city and the tower. They saw smoke rising above the land like the smoke of a furnace. This is crazy to me. How do you know it's going to happen two, three thousand years out? And you're using a man to write invincible, unbreakable technological code. This is one of the reasons why you don't see any programs on the TV saying that the Bible is fake. The atheists say, I'm fake. But they don't talk about the Bible. And if they do, it's because they're ignorant. Oh, it's just something outdated. No, it's not. It's futuristic. Go to the next one. Y'all remember 9-11? The Pentagon was damaged. Emergency from Arabia. I have no idea what they're talking about on that one. Something happened over there. Okay, next one. President Gore, Al Gore, a judge will rule now. Evil will be done to you. Now, we're going to hit this back in a second. Do y'all remember when Al Gore was supposed to be president? Y'all remember the big argument and everybody said he, the presidency was stolen from Al Gore. Y'all remember that? We'll get back to that in a second. Okay. And one of the reasons it might have been stolen is when he became president, a nice man was going to become an evil man like Saul. When Saul was anointed king, when it came time for them to make him king, they said that he was way over someplace hiding in a tent. He was very humble, meek, scary. I mean, he was fearful, all of that. That man became king. How many know he switched? Next one. Remember that, though. War of Bush, the evil that will befall you in the end of days. Oh, Jesus, there it is. Let's you know right there. The end of days. The nations all under heaven. What he was saying was, is that the last day type of evil in war will start with Bush. Do y'all remember what we said when 9-11 happened? They said we have entered into a new era of war. This is different. Next one. Whew. The next terrorist. Ooh, I don't like this one. That's what's next. So this is why some of you keep seeing 9-11 over and over and over again. I just, it's just, it's, every time I see it, when I see 9-11 someplace, I'm like, it's something coming. And this stuff is going to come in waves. Last one, Bible said, now all the other ones came to pass. Yeah, and these are just a couple. You should see what the Bible code says about Trump. I give you a hint, and you're not even going to like this. I will use my beloved like an iron rod to bring correction to the great eagle. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's just one of the things it says. Unbelievable. All right, next one. I think it's just a couple more. End of days. In the end of days, terrorism and plague. 
See, let me say something. There's two phrases you have to get familiar with. The last days. The last days is actually the last 2,000 years of human history. That's why in Joel and in the book of Acts, when they started praying in tongues and the city showed up, he said, no, we're not drunk. He said, this is that which was prophesied. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. So the last days started 2,000 years ago. The end of days is where we are now. There's a difference. In the King James, it'll say the latter days. But at the end of days, you'll see these two things, terrorism and plague. Have we not had both? Yes. Next one. I told you we had to come back. President Bush, president by mistake in error. <laughs> oh my goodness. I couldn't believe that was in there. Yeah, see, the young people don't know what we're talking about. For all of you that are young, when, when President Bush and Gore ran against each other, President Bush won, but something weird happened, and everybody kind of knew that it had been taken away from Gore, and it was like, it's kind of done and over with now. He became president, and... But you got rescued from an evil man. You know what's you know really messed with my head? Wouldn't it mess with your head if your name was in the Bible code as an evil man? I would be like, so am I supposed to stay evil? Or is this a sign that I need to get saved? Y'all know what I'm saying? That would mess me up, you know, and ooh, I can only, mm. she said change. I'd be like, Lord, I'm sorry. I was just reading the scripture in the Old Testament and, and, and talk about this man. He had this son, he had this son, he had this son. And then the scripture says, and he had this son, and he was evil, so God killed him. And then it went to the next, I was like, that's it? What type of evil did you got? How many you know Saul became evil? Some of those kings were evil. Jezebel was evil. And but this one said, yeah, he, he was born. God just killed him. Yeah, he was getting ready to do some stuff that was on another Luciferian level. I love that word, by the way. Okay, next one. That might be the last one. Last one. All right. So y'all got that. That's a lot. Yet yeah, that was a little. So this next graphic says that the Bible is engineered. It is living, it is coded, it is programmed, and it is locked. The Bible is a living book coded with infinite answers that unlock to those who stay in it. Certain answers will unlock to you based on the season that you are in. Certain revelations <clears throat> and secrets will unlock to you based on the cycles of the word. When you get through it one time, that's a cycle. It is programmed to unlock to you more when you get through it a second time. When you get through it a second time, it is pre-programmed to unlock to you certain things when you get it through the third time. It will not unlock to you like that unless you're obedient to the first scripture that says meditate a day and night. So there are a lot of things. Watch this. You have been wanting to hear from God, but the problem is you won't spend time in the word, and because you don't spend time in the word, it didn't unlock. How many have been, how many have read, for y'all to read the Bible, how many know you read the Bible and you come across a verse and it's like it's a divine pause? How many have had this experience? You're reading the word, this is before iPads and stuff. You were reading the word, it still happens with iPad. And, and it's, it seemed like the page lifted, the word lifted off the page. And you were just stuck in a moment like, see? And so, so the, 
So the word of God is a living document. It is pre-programmed to respond to what you need per time. But if you don't spend time in it, it never unlocks. And because it doesn't unlock, you don't get your answer. And because you don't get your answer, you stay frustrated. And that's why so many people tell me, Pastor, I need prayer. No, you know, you need to read the Bible. And it's the look on people's face. I'm not praying with you. Is there something wrong with your lips? Uh, Y'all, I am not Jesus' replacement. Now, if you don't know how to pray, pray, or you need agreement, you need instruction, that's fine. But, but my auntie is, is in the hospital. I need you to pray. No, you don't. You can pray. It's not the answer for days. It's the answer. It's, the prayer. it's not the prayer of days. It's the prayer of faith. Like I told you before, I think I did this at the Sunday location. I got a gun. He has a gun. And I was over there down the street, and I ran into a crocodile. And instead of shooting the crocodile, I run over to him and say, hey, man. I saw a crocodile. I need you to go over there and shoot him. He's first going to look at my gun. Is your gun malfunctioning? No, I just want you to shoot it because I got something else to do. I'm not praying for Pookie because he got put in jail. Or Tyrone, or Andrew, David, Rick, whoever. Sometimes your friend needs to be in jail to sit about and think about his foolishness. Getting people out too early is a problem. You need to sit there for a while and just think. Anyway, so we're going to end just by reading. Hallelujah. There has to be a revival. The, ch the children of God want to do exploits in ministry, business, and personal life, but they won't eat. Y'all remember that food? Was it Elijah, I think? He ran from Jezebel. I might have the story mixed up. What would you say? It was him. And, but no, it might, well, let's see. Because the angel, he was sleeping and the angel woke him up. Guess the right one. Um, angel woke him up and said, eat this food. Okay? These are symbolic. And he said, eat this food. He said, he ate it, drank the water, then he went back to sleep. Then the angel woke him up again. He said, eat this food and drink this water. He said, because if you don't, you won't make it because the journey is too long for you. And then the Bible says, he went for 40 days just on that one meal. See? And so this is what, see, these are symbolic gestures, you know, in regards to the kingdom of God trying to give you a hint towards there is a food that comes from above that can make you travel very far. But you won't eat it. I've always told people that the most difficult part of your Christianity will be reading the Bible every day consistently. You know, back in the day when I was growing up before technology, y'all remember that? People used to put a big old Bible in the back window of their car. <laughs> Open. Hey, can you read from behind? Am I supposed to follow you to church? Yeah, I mean, you had a grandmama and a Bible the size of this desk, and it was always open. Never read it. Go over there and blow on it. You start coughing, have an asthma attack or something. You know, and they meant well, but if you don't read it, the food that you don't eat will never benefit you. You understand what I'm saying? So, and this is just a light teaching. I'm kind of wore out because my, I was, my, my daughter, she has a tournament this weekend. We're going to leave and go there after this when to finish the last game. She won all three games, by the way, yesterday. And, but, you know, you, you're a little batty when we got there, I think at 1 o'clock. 
something like that. And we didn't leave until like 9, 9.30. And you're in an arena with about 60 teams all playing at the same time. And the whistle's constantly blowing. <laughs> you leave thinking you're an animal by the time you... And yeah, I'm a little tired. That's the only reason I seem I'm a little tired. And we got to go back out again too, but that's okay. But y'all got what I'm saying. And so I'm encouraging you to do this. This is uh, the longest chapter in the Bible. Psalm 119. It's an amazing. How many know? Four chapters a day gets you through the Bible in a year. Eight chapters a day gets you through the Bible in six months. Twelve chapters a day gets you through the Bible in three months. Until you hit Psalm 119. She said it's all day. When you hit Psalm 19, yeah, we're going to be here a couple of days. <laughs> 170. You ever read this? I remember the first time I read Psalm 119, I was like, where does this end? What's amazing, though, is all 100, and the Word of God is so important, the longest chapter in the Bible is 176 verses about the importance of the Word. So we're going we're gonna to end the service by reading all 176. Because I'm not here to entertain. We're going to all get our Bible reading in in one moment. Now, I'm not going to too much analyze and we're just going to read it. Otherwise, we'd be here for three hours. Y'all ready? Psalm 119, verse 1. Help us today, Jesus. Hey, let me tell you something. You know what I was thinking about? I was like, I don't know, Bishop. That might be too long to read in the service. And then I remembered. Did y'all not remember in the Old Testament, they did an Old Testament reading, and it was for eight hours? And the people had to stand there for eight hours and listen to the word? I was like, oh, yeah, I'm reading this because they're sitting down. Matter of fact. Leroy Thompson said, one day, he said, one of these days, he said, I'm going to come in. He said, when I preach, I'm going to sit down, y'all going to stand. <laughs> Joyful are people of integrity. So I want you to see here what is associated with the word. And as you see what is associated with the word, then you might understand why it's so hard for you to read it. Because it's not you. It's a force that is a master at creating scenarios by which you don't read it. How many of you know you can go home today and you could easily watch four to five hours of television? I got a couple of shows that I watch. I watch stuff in the series and so I watch one when I eat, watch another one. You can watch it and you go, huh? how many of you know? You can go home, if you are a younger kid, you can play video games from now until 12 p.m. with no water, no food, and you're highly breathed. <laughs> For the older folk, we can go home and you can binge watch two, three movies. You can watch a series. You can get through a whole series. And, and guess what? You have to remind yourself to eat. You have to tell your wife, I think we should take a break and at least go use the bathroom, take a shower. We've been sitting here for two days straight. You know, how many know you can do that? But how many know you can go home after the service and as good as this service is, you know what? I'm getting ready to read the Bible the same way in 40 days, just like that man online in the beginning. <laughs> In the beginning. <laughs> Raise your hand if that's you. Now ask yourself a question. How come all of us can watch TV all day, but all of us get sleepy the moment we open up that book? Ain't nobody that tired. You ever slept the entire night and woke up to read the Bible? In the beginning. Dude, you don't need a nap. You just woke up. You've been asleep for 11 hours. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. 
One minister said it was on him so bad for a season, he said he had to read the Bible standing on the edge of the bathtub. Yeah, so he could stay concentrated. He was that serious. Sometimes you may have to go to read the Bible, you may have to read the Bible on the front porch in 30 degree weather with a coat on. Them things are out desperate. So let's read why they don't want you. Now let's read this because I ain't got time to give all these after effects with scriptures 176 miles long. Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. See, when you read instructions and commandments, it's talking about the word of God. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts. So you can see that this produces joy. And what the devil wants to steal from you, he wants to steal your joy. They do not compromise with evil and they walk only in his paths. You have charged us to keep your commandments carefully. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees in the word. Then I would not be ashamed when I compare my life with your commands. See, you're supposed to be comparing your life with his commands. As I learn your righteous regulations, that's another thing. The word of God regulates your life. I will thank you by living as I should. I will obey your decrees. There's some things that are in the Bible that are not commandments. They're decrees. Bible says a king shall decree a thing. You read it, you're supposed to decree it and you become it. Please don't give up on me. How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. I have tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. All of this is Bible. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So the one reason why you're having a problem with sin, you don't spend time in any word. I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. I've recited aloud all the regulations you have given us. I have rejoiced in your laws as much as in money. That's mentality. The more you, but the more you enjoy the word, more than money, you never have to ask for money. I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. Be good to your servant that I may live and obey your word. Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instructions. I am only a foreigner in the land. Don't hide your commands from me. I am always overwhelmed with a desire for your regulations. Think about that. This is someone that is overwhelmed with a desire to read the word. How many of that God is online to read nine? Y'all know what I'm saying. Any of you had a desire? How many of you, you can say, I know this happens to me. From the time you get up, you start thinking about, I got to get my word time in. Yes. 10 o'clock. Get my word time in. One o'clock, it's like you're fighting against something invisible. And it, you see the time getting away from you, you keep reminding myself, you keep reminding yourself, I gotta get my word time in. I gotta get my word. Yeah, you are fighting a literal war. That's why you keep convincing yourself. I got, you know you should do it, but why can I not do it? I'm doing everything else. It's because something fighting against you invisible. What verse am I in? What'd you say, 20? I'm always overwhelmed with a desire for your regulations. You rebuke the arrogant. Those who wander from your commands are cursed. Jesus. Don't let them scorn and insult me. Why? Because I've obeyed your laws. Even princes sit and speak against me, but I will meditate on your decree. See, when people are coming against you, you should be reading the word. Your laws please me. They give me wise advice. I lie in the dust. Revive me by your word. See all of the stuff the word does? Joy, advice, wisdom, revive. I'll, I told you my plans and you answered me. Now teach me your decrees. Help me understand the meaning of your commandments and I will meditate on your wonderful deeds. I weep with sorrow 
encourage me by your word. Keep me from lying to myself. Give me the privilege of knowing. See, that's the thing. It's a privilege for you to read the king's book. Because when you read the king's book, it's not a book. You're reading the king and you're becoming the king. I have chosen to be faithful. I have determined to live by your regulations. I cling to your laws, Lord. Don't let me be put to shame. I will pursue your commands for you expand my understanding. Teach me your decrees, O Lord. I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding and I will obey your instructions. I will put them into practice with all my heart. Make me walk along the path of your commands for that is where my happiness, mm, that is where my happiness is found. Is it possible that the secret to your happiness is not a guru? The secret to your happiness is some secret that didn't pop up because you don't spend time in the word. Verse 36, give me an eagerness for your laws rather than a love for money. Turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. Reassure me of your promise. All of these things are just different synonyms for the word. Reassure me of your promise made to those who fear you. Help me abandon my shameful ways for your regulations are good. I long to obey your commands. Renew my life with your goodness. Lord, give me your unfailing love, the salvation that you promised me. Then I can answer those who taunt me, for I trust in your word. Do not snatch your word of truth from me, for your regulations are my only hope. I will keep on obeying your instructions forever and ever. I will walk in freedom. Why? I've devoted myself to your commandments. I will speak to kings about your laws, and I will not be ashamed. How I delight in your commands, how I love them. I honor and love your commands. I meditate on your decrees. Remember your promise to me. It's my only hope. Your promise revives me. It comforts me in all my troubles. That's the reason why when you go to jail, they'll throw in the Bible right behind you. All right, we're quarter way through. Let's go. Y'all like... Brother, that's enough already. <laughs> Psalm 119, verse 51. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only one that got to read it. See, at home, you just read it with your eyes. Mm. The proud hold me in utter contempt, but I do not turn away from your instructions. I meditate on your age-old regulations, O oh Lord. They comfort me. I become furious with the wicked because they reject your instructions. Your decrees have been the theme of my songs wherever I've lived. I reflect at night on who you are, O Lord. Therefore, I obey, I obey your instructions. This is how I spend my life, obeying your commandments. Lord, you are mine. I promise to obey your words. With all my heart, I want your blessings. Be merciful as you promised me. I pondered the direction of my life, and I turned to follow your ways. I will hurry without delay to obey your commandments. Evil people try to drag me into sin, but I am firmly anchored to your instructions. I rise at midnight to thank you for your just regulations. See, sometimes, it's, see, guess what, guess what this says to some of us. I rise at midnight to have a bologna sandwich. Nothing wrong. He said fried. See, we already know what he's doing. See, we already know what he's doing. I'm not saying this thing ain't wrong with having a fried bologna sandwich. I'm just saying sometimes when you wake up, it wasn't to have a bologna sandwich. What verse am I in? Oh, Lord, your unfailing loves fill the earth. Teach me your decrees. You have, been, you have done many things good for me, Lord, just as you promised. I believe in your commands. Now teach me good judgment and knowledge. I used to wander off until you disciplined me, but now I closely follow your word. 
That lets you know that if you wander off, discipline starts. You are good and do only good. Teach me your decrees. Arrogant people smear, with, smear me with lies, but in truth I obey your commands with all my heart. Their hearts are dull and stupid, but I delight in your instructions. See, I thought when I used that word I was out of order. Um, my suffering was good for me, for it taught me to pay attention to your decrees. That's powerful. Your instructions are more valuable to me than millions in gold and silver. Now, see, people don't believe that, but you have to believe that by faith. How many know if you had access to millions in gold and silver, how many know you would be interacting with it quite a bit called shopping sprees? So that's a hint that the thing that's in your hand is more valuable than millions in gold and silver. And see, the devil knows that you don't. That's why he keeps you out of it. Every person that commits to being faithful in a world like this, they say, it's amazing how my life starts turning around. What verse am I in? They're like, yeah, keep him on point, y'all. Don't have him restart nothing. <laughs> you made me. You created me. Now give me the sense to follow your commands. May all who fear you find in me a cause for joy, for I've put my hope in your word. I know, O oh Lord, that your regulations are fair. You disciplined me because I needed it. Now let your unfailing love comfort me just as you promised me your servant. Surround me with your tender mercy so I may live, for your instructions are my delight. Bring disgrace upon the arrogant people who lied about me. Hmm. Meanwhile, I will concentrate on, you see, meanwhile, I will concentrate on your commands. Quit worrying about those who lied about you. God will deal with them. You keep focusing in the word. Amen. I mean, no, that can be hard sometimes. Let me be united with all who fear you, with those who know your laws. May I be blameless in keeping your decrees, then I'll never be ashamed. That's a powerful one right there. I am worn out waiting for your rescue, but I have put my hope in your word. My eyes are straining to see your promises come true. When will you comfort me? I am shriveled like a wineskin in the smoke, but I have not forgotten to obey your decrees. How long must I wait? When will you punish those who persecute me? These arrogant people who hate your instructions have dug deep pits to trap me. All your commands are trustworthy. Protect me from those who hunt me down without cause. They almost finished me off, but I refuse to abandon your commands. Isn't somebody telling you no matter what is going on, I'm going to stick to this book. All these flaky people want to leave God over every single negative thing that happens. In your unfailing love, spare my life, then I can continue to obey your laws. Your eternal word, O Lord, stands firm in heaven. Your faithfulness extends to every generation, as enduring as the earth you created. Your regulations remain true to this day, for, every, for everything serves your plans. Everything serves your plans. Everything, including nature and evil men. Even demons serve his plans. I remember that demon... God gave him an instruction to deceive 400 false prophets. <laughs> I will never forget your commandments. By them you give me life. I am yours. Rescue me, for I have worked hard at obeying your commandments. Though the wicked hide along the way to kill me, I will quietly keep my mind on your laws. This is some good stuff here. This is my, one of my favorite. Even perfection has its limits, but your commands don't. How do you even explain something like that? So that lets you know that there's something beyond perfection. <laughs> Even perfection has its limits, but not your word. Your, the word of God is unlimited, man. 
And you're not going to see, see, they're some of you, the only reason why you're surrounded by an invisible wall, you haven't put in the unlimited thing that makes you unlimited. What verse am I in? I got to help y'all keep me on track. What'd you say? You can take a hold of that and come back and I'm still preaching. <laughs> I told you I was going to read all of them. Oh, how, this, this, is all, this is my literal favorite two, three. Oh, how I love your instructions. I think about them all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies. Why? Because they are my constant guide. 99 is my super favorite. I have more insight than my teachers, for I'm always thinking of your laws. I'm even wiser than my elders. Why? Because I kept your commandments. So it's something about just living right that makes you wise. So pull them into sin so they can start stupid. You understand? Make them foolish by making them sin. I have refused to walk on any evil path so that I may remain obedient to your word. I haven't turned away from your regulations for you have taught me well. How sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. Your commandments give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way of life. See, the more you put the word in you, the more it produces the ability to hate sin. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. I've promised it once and I'll promise it again. I will obey your righteous regulations. I've suffered so much, O oh Lord. Restore my life again as you promised. Lord, accept my offering of praise and teach me your regulations. My life constantly hangs in the balance, but I will not stop obeying your instructions. The wicked have set their traps for me, but I will not turn from your commandments. We're getting there. there. We only got 60 more verses left. Y'all did it. They're like, no, you did it. We just listened. <laughs> verse 111. I don't even sound right, does it? We used to verse 3. Verse 15. <laughs> verse 111. See, I like Mark Marquita got her Bible. She has her Bible out reading it. Look at it. Your laws are my treasure. They are my heart's delight. I am determined to keep your decrees to the very end. I hate those with divided loyalties but I love your instructions. See, not only does this man love the word, he loves people who love the word. If you're not a word person, he don't, he don't have time for your foolishness. You understand what I'm saying? You are my refuge and my shield. Your word is my source of hope. Get out of my life, you evil-minded people, for I intend to obey the commands of my God. And see, I, see some, of the, some of the people, y'all need, need that scripture. You keep trying to keep your friends in your life. If they don't want to line up with your life, then you need to get them out of your life. Lord, sustain me as you promised that I may live. Do not let my hope be crushed. Sustain me and I will be rescued. Then I'll meditate continually on your decrees. But you have rejected all who stray from your decrees. They are only fooling themselves. <laughs> you skim off the wicked. You skim off the wicked of the earth like scum. No wonder I love to obey. I don't even know. What, what do you mean you skim off the wicked? like scum I gotta be careful where I point my hand when I say scum you know what I'm saying oh he called me scum people actually believe that is he looked at me when he said this word yeah I had to look at somebody <laughs> whatever what verse am I in man I tremble in fear of you stand in awe of your regulations don't leave me to the mercy of my enemies for I have done what is just and right See, when you do it right, what's right, you have a right to demand of God. Remember Hezekiah? I mean, how many of you know, if God told you, get your house in order, 
you did. How many know you would get your house in order? You're like, this is God. You're not supposed to question him like that. You know what I'm saying? You would just get your house in order. And God came to this king and said, get your house in order. You're dying. King Hezekiah didn't even think about it for a couple of days. He said he turned over on his bed, looked at the wall and prayed. How dare you do something like this to me? He said, why would you do something like to me? And I've been keeping your... He said, you... See, everybody needs to have a demand. You need to have an arrogant moment with God. You know I keep your commandments. So explain to me what this diagnosis is when I keep your command. And God said, you're right, dog. I'm so sorry. I made a mistake. Do you realize how crazy that is? When God has to apologize to you about a decision he was going to make, because you, that's how powerful righteousness is. When you have righteousness in your life, you have a right to demand anything of God, including him changing his mind. It said the prophet gave this king the word. And it says the prophet left. The king immediately turned to the wall. He didn't have to think about this. The man knew he was living right. He's going to sit up here and put this on me like this. You know good and well. And then, and then as the prophet was leaving, said the prophet hadn't even left the house. God told him, go back. Uh, I made a mistake. I, was, <laughs> I had the wrong person. <laughs> go back and tell him, okay, okay, I'm sorry. Do you see God's attitude? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, not only will I let you live for another 15 years, but I'm going to win this war for you. King Hezekiah was like, hmm. Some of this stuff in the Bible is crazy, y'all. It's unbelievable. That's God showing you how strong righteousness is. And that's also showing you why Satan wants to get you unrighteous. Because when you're living unrighteously, no man goes to God bold like that. You go to God timid. Whoever is somebody in here. We're almost there, Jesus. We're almost there. Please guarantee a blessing for me. Don't let the arrogant oppress me. My eyes strain to see your rescue, to see the truth of your promise fulfilled. I'm your servant. Deal with me in unfailing love and teach me your decrees. Give discernment to me, your servant. Then I'll understand your laws. Lord, it's time for you to act. <laughs> For these evil people have violated your instructions. He's just tell, hey, Lord, you're taking too long. Hey, hey. See, it, what I love about this is showing you that when you're in the word, everything will always be positive for a moment. It's telling you that when things go negative, hold on and be able to make sure you can say, God, Lord, I'm looking at them surrounding me. I'm looking at them going down. I'm looking at them passing out pink slips. I'm looking at the tornado. But you know. What verse? Truly I love your commands more than gold, even the best gold. Each of your commandments is right. That is why I hate every false way. Your laws are wonderful. No wonder I obey them. The teaching of your word gives light so even the simple can understand. I, I pant with expectation, longing for your commands. Come and show me your mercy as you do for all who love your name. Guide my steps by your word so I will not be overcome by evil. Ransom me from the oppression of evil people, then I can obey your commandments. Look upon me with love. Teach me your decrees. Rivers of tears gush from my eyes because people disobey your instructions. That is a man who recognizes the end of those who don't live right. Oh, Lord, you are righteous and your regulations are fair. Your laws are perfect and completely trustworthy. 
I'm overwhelmed with indignation, for my enemies have disregard, disregarded your words. Your promises have been thoroughly tested. That is why I love them so much. As a preacher say, we're getting ready to close. I am insignificant and despised, but I don't forget your commands. Your justice is eternal and your instructions are perfectly true. As pressure and stress bear down on me, I find joy in your commands. Watch this. You know what he's saying? Um, things are not going right, but the same way one person will go into social media to escape, I go into your word to escape. Mm, your laws are always right. Help me to understand them so I may live. I pray with all my heart. Answer me, Lord. I will obey your decrees. I cry out to you. Rescue me that I may obey your laws. I rise early before the sun is up. I cry out for help and put my hope in your words. I stay awake through the night, through the night, through the night, thinking about your promise. In your faithful love, O oh Lord, hear my cry. Let me be revived by following your regulations. Lawless people are coming to attack me. They live far from your instruction. All right, we, we only got 20 more to go. 20 more, Woo! But see, you can see, though, how at any given point in life, if you read that whole thing, you would find yourself in there. Yeah. It also lets you know that shit, but that might be one of the ones you stay in when you're dealing with trouble. The last 20 verses. You are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are true. I have known from my earliest days that your laws will last forever. Look upon my suffering and rescue me, for I have not forgotten your instructions. Argue my case and take my side. Protect my life as you promised. The wicked are far from rescue, for they do not bother with your decrees. Lord, how great is your mercy. Let me be revived by following your regulations. Many persecute and trouble me, yet I have not swerved from your laws. Seeing these traitors makes me sick at heart because they care nothing for your word. See how I love your commandments, Lord? Give back my life because of your unfailing love. The very essence of your words is truth. All your just regulations will stand forever. It's very possible is how, you notice that because this man is in the word, he believes he has a right to make demands of God. This is not somebody that sounds like super meek and this is like, hey, I'm in your book. It's the most important thing. I put your book and your words above money, above riches, my own feelings, everything. And so because I'm put this first, I'm expecting you to put me first. Powerful people harass me without cause, but my heart trembles only at your word. I rejoice in your word like one who discovers a great treasure. I hate and abhor all falsehood, but I love your instructions. I will praise you seven times a day because, of your, because all your regulations are just. Those who love your instructions have great peace and do not stumble. Wow. I long for your rescue, Lord, so I have obeyed your commands. I have obeyed your laws, for I love them very much. Yes, I obey your commands and laws because you know everything I do. Oh, Lord, listen to my cry. Give me the discerning mind you promised. Listen to my prayer. Rescue me as you promised. Now, this is just one prayer session that David did with God that's recorded. One prayer session. And I believe that this prayer session had to do with the fact that he was running from a king called Saul that was trying to kill him. See that? So it's very, very powerful. Just that passage alone is a powerful thing. Read this last one. No, it's not 176. But 
Oh, wait a minute. I never did finish the last. Okay, let's pray. Let play, praise flow from my lips, for you have taught me your decrees. Let my tongue sing about your words, for all your commands are right. Give me a helping hand, for I have chosen to follow your commandments, O Lord. I long for your rescue and your instructions are my delight. Let me live so I can praise you. And may your regulations help me. I've wandered away like a lost sheep. Come and find me, for I have not forgotten your commands. 2 Corinthians 4.16 That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Your spirit can't be renewed every day if you're not spending time with the thing that renews it every day. Okay, one of the things that the amount of time that you spend in the world is going to affect your beauty and the brightness of your light on the other side. Remember that. The scriptures in the Bible to prove that. People who have had personal encounters, this, it would have, they say, why does everybody have on different clothes? They said the clothes represent your lifestyle. And they say, well, why are some people really, really like chiseled beyond imagination? And some people like it's kind of really slim and he said, the ones that are like that, he said, uh, they've been exercising in the word. One lady said she saw an angel. She said, one angel. She said, this thing, she said, there are no words to explain how strong and buff this angel one. And she said, the other angel looked very sickly. Why is there a difference? She said, the angel that's very, very buff, he gets his workout working on the assignments from the Christian who prays. How many know if you work really hard, you end up, end up with muscles? He said the other one, he'd been standing still for quite a while. And I'm sure angels don't like that, but these things are adjusted sometimes to show you what we're producing on the other side. And it's what we don't know that's hurting us, killing us. And that's the reason why we keep falling for the rope of double of not staying in the word. Joshua 1, 8 says, study this book of instruction. How often? Continually. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Last scripture, Psalm 19. It's one of my favorite. The instructions of the Lord are perfect. Reviving the soul. So that lets you know the word revives the mind, will, and emotions. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy. They make wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right bringing joy to the heart. The commandments of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. It means the ability to see within. It literally, insight in the scripture means literally that because of your time in the word and in prayer, you can see what's beyond that wall. You know what's beyond that wall. You may not see it, but you know what's standing behind it. This actually worked yesterday. <laughs> I was, uh, my barber is a female barber. And um, she asked me a question. And uh, she said, she said, what is discernment? I said, well, in one sense, it's your, I said, spiritual discernment is your ability to smell. I said the same way that you can walk into a room and you can pick up different smells. You can pick up if this smell is perfume, if it's food, you know, if it's somebody walked in with dog waste on her. I said, your nose has the ability to discern the smell, even though you don't know where it's coming from and where it is. I said, well, spiritual discernment is the same thing. I said, it's your ability, one definition, main one, is your ability to pick up things about people without even knowing that person. 
your ability to determine certain things, your ability to pick up bad energy and, and all. And then the Lord let her, the Lord let her uh, experience it at a higher level. Because I'm always hitting her. I said, now, if you want to tap into it high, you got to be living right. Okay. And so, and all, I got ready to say something to her. And, um, and I didn't say it. Didn't move. Didn't flinch. Didn't do anything. Right? I was getting ready to say something to her. And then I didn't. And then she said, what were you getting ready to say? See, Lord, her let her tap into the discernment. And I see, we were laughing. I said, see, right there it is, right, right there. I said, there it is right there. See, I said, I have no intention on saying what I was going to say. And I said, my body language never adjusted anything. And let, yet, the moment I decided not to say it, you picked up. What, what were we going to say? See, so these are spiritual things that are enhanced as a result of spending time in the word, spending time in prayer. Okay. Meaning, let's finish it. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to everyone and a great reward for those who obey them. So, I don't want to go, I want to go to heaven with a great reward. And I got to, you know, as a pastor... Spent a good amount of time answering calls and prayers and different things like that. And slowly but surely, I'm starting to bat that away because I can't lose my reward trying to help everybody else get, door, get theirs. Especially when a lot of people don't listen. They'll waste your whole time for an hour. And all you're trying to do is give them the word and they just want to be emotional. And there's a time when you have to be emotional with an individual, don't get me wrong. Okay, the Bible says weep with those that weep. You know what I'm saying? Rejoice with those that rejoice. But you all, the reason why sometimes, if you've been around for a while, the reason why you have so many questions is for one reason. You don't study and pray. No, I mean, 99 times out of 100. You know, not, we're not talking about somebody who's not familiar with the teachings of Lionheart Church. They're going to have a, tons of questions. Now, I'm talking about new people. But you've been here for five, six, seven years, and, and you haven't read any of the books we told you. You haven't studied any of the subjects we told you. And, and, and you know the dangerous part about me interpreting someone's dream is when I interpret it, they won't study it because they believe they have a residential interpreter on hand. And I don't really like interpreting dreams a whole lot. I actually do. I kind of like it, but I'm extremely sensitive about giving people the wrong answer. So I'm very tactful when I give you an interpretation. Man, I'll give you an interpretation, and I'll give you several interpretations. It could be, and then I'll tell you to pray on it, check with the Holy Ghost and the angels and God the Father and Jesus, because I have, a, I have a, an over, over fear of sending people down the wrong road. You know what I'm saying? So we're going to close that session for this month in regards to your word time. Okay? Um, there's nothing I can tell you to help you understand the detrimental effect it has on your entire being and life when you don't read it and the positive effect that it has on you when you do study it and read it and stay in it. It is a literal war. You'll do it for, I'm sure some of you have this testimony, you'll be real good for about three or four days. Any of this ever happened to you? Real good. You might even get a good weekend and then mysteriously something happens and you just stop reading it. And then days go by, and then sometimes weeks. And then you look up and you say, why did I stop reading? Why did I stop studying? It happens too when you work out. You go to the gym for about a whole week, 
looking in the mirror, and you're getting it in. I'm getting ready to get it in. I will never return to Lullabar again. They love quoting Lullabar. I don't even know what Lullabar is, what it is. Okay, I don't even know it anyway. I'm not going back. Two weeks go by. And you just stopped working out. One day you didn't go. And then you didn't go again. Ten days later, you're back to eating ribs and pizza. Help us all. You understand what I'm saying? How, why is it that when it comes to these positive things, you then sit around and you just can't put your finger in, put your finger on, why did I stop? You can't put your finger on it because you can't put your finger on spirits with your physical hand and with your physical eyes. There was someone called a familiar spirit, and this is where I close, a familiar spirit watches you all day. Bible makes it clear that when you give your, when you are born, not when you're born again, when you are born, God assigns an angel to you. Jesus made that absolutely clear. That's why he said, be careful how you treat the children because the angel always beholds the face of the father. Satan imitates. He also assigns you a familiar spirit. Some people call them monitoring spirits because they monitor you. Now, let me ask you a question. If you worked for the CIA or the FBI or some type of special ops team, and your only assignment every day for five years was to watch me for 10 hours a day. That's your only assignment. You don't have another assignment every day. Your job is to watch this man. Don't you, and watch this. And you can see inside the house and outside the house. Don't you think you might be an expert on me more than I'm an expert on me? Don't you think you might be able to pick up my bad habits, my good habits, what music I like, what I don't? What makes me mad? What makes me depressed? What makes me fearful? What makes me angry? What makes, what makes me excited? Don't you think you would be able to watch my routine and see cyclical things that happen? And that's a human being. How about a spirit that can watch you 24 hours? So they're masters. They watch you. And, and then based on your behavior, and all of us have buttons that can push us the wrong way, push us into depression, push us into disengaging. We all have buttons, and they watch you, and they don't hit the button immediately. They hit the button at the right moment. Because if, if, if we hit it too early, it'll shock them. And like, oh, well, let me shake myself and get myself back together. But if we let a little time go by, and then we hit the button then, that's the best chance for that button continuing for a while. That's how you know, how, my, how you know, everything keeps coming back around. He said, slow dance. Yeah. See, so, and, and so you have to fight. And you can't beat yourself up and condemn yourself because you got off a couple of days, jump back in. You're in a war with someone who does not want you to read. Because what you're reading is not words. What you're reading and putting on inside of you. And this, this is the thing. The Bible, the history, the intelligence, the mathematics, the invisible codes, the technology, the just everything. The wisdom, the insight, that's all being programmed into your DNA. That's why they come immediately before it starts sticking. Because the ones that said that they stuck with it, it scared them to see how their life just began to turn around. Now, you can't do that and still be doing stupid stuff. You understand what I'm saying? I said, you understand what I'm saying? Yes. <sighs> so, you, we all must start building a defense against what is to come. I don't see too many people, they wait until something bad happens and then they want to start reading the Bible. Then they want to start praying. See, it's too late now. Not because you way down here. Bishop Oedipo says, he said, problems do not show up on your timetable. 
you must be ready for them when they show up. How many know when that army came and kidnapped Abraham's family, he already had 318 trained servants, already. And one of the things that's bothered me, I have to be totally honest with you, the thing that's bothered me a little bit the most is just, you know, you see what's going on in other countries and what's happening to other Christians. And by and large, North America, Canada, UK has been kind of spared from that, those type of countries. But, but now it's moving here, just strange things. And, you know, when I saw what happened to Ukraine and how one of the largest Pentecostal churches was in Ukraine, it's not now. Anything can happen in this country. And we just keep seeing 9-11. And you got people on social media talking about me. He's a crook and he's a cult talking about what he keeps seeing 9-11. They'll be the first ones calling me for prayer. So all I can say is, the Bible says, fear not, I'm with you to the end. But I'm, not, I'm just saying that maybe trouble is not off the table until Jesus comes back. That's all I'm saying. You know, this thing, I hate to say this, I really do. Help me, Father. I don't know. I'm, the Bible says, be careful what you say about the king. It says, be careful. You know, we call them presidents, but God calls them king. It's just something about this president. He in bed with somebody. What I mean by that is, I've never seen a leader on purpose make decisions that everyone knows destroys the country. I've never seen that before. And this whole border thing, at first it was just Hispanics coming across the border. Yeah, you saw that on the news? That was very alarming. At first it was Hispanics. Then um, the next group started coming in was Haitians. And then the border said, they said, it's open season. They said, everybody from the Arab nations, they said, we got Russians coming in. They said, Africans coming in, everybody coming in. And what was scary on the news is that they said 500 Chinese came in in one month. You want to hear something deep? And they said, this is the deep part. They said, the people from the outside countries, he said, they're flying in and then walking in. What are 500, I'm, you know, just don't make this racial. We're talking about what is the agenda. What are 500 Chinese doing walking in the country in a month? And we're not talking about the other ones. Have y'all seen the news of what's happening to these sanctuary cities? They are running out of, they don't have any more room for these people. They're keeping them in hotels. In two states, the governor or the mayor said, would you all start keeping them in your homes? Nope. You're not going to see me on the news with an ax in my forehead because I let the wrong person in my house. It's unbelievable how many violent people are coming in with him. And now these violent individuals that are coming in with that group are now attacking even police officers on the street. They're taking over homes. They're doing, they, they just arrested one because he killed a girl on the college campus. And here's, you want to hear the final problem? 90% of them. I could be off in my percentage a little bit. I'll just put the greater percentage of them are men between the age of 20 and 30. Young men. In the military, they call that fighting age. Young men. See, and so we, the United States boasts about having the greatest military in planet Earth, and we still do. But if, if the enemy can't come in through the military, you might come in another way within 
and you're watching the degrade of an entire society. You're watching the United States become a third world country. And you're watching third world countries become first world. And then when they think that God is down enough, then they all hit us at the same time. It's obvious, even the, scripture, even the Bible says that a nuclear war is coming. And I'm talking about a Bible code. I'm talking about the one you can understand says a nuclear war is coming to the United States. So, I don't know. All I know is, is that we're going to live in eternity forever. But you need to be sober. And the most important thing is to be living clean, living right, being about your father's business, being here. Let me tell you something. Okay, excuse me, you know, for dropping the ball on that with all of this switch over. But, you know, we need everybody to serve. I'm going to start teaching on that. Because I, I didn't realize how many people did not serve at their previous church, so they don't even know that it's an actual ministry call. The first call to the ministry is serving, you know, in some department or something. I started that as an usher. Okay. And so, but you really, really need to be serious. You need to be reading that book as though you're the only Christian in planet Earth. You need to be feeding yourself. You need to be praying. You need to have a vision board about all of the things that you want God to do in your life, the people that need to be saved. You need to be on it. Boom, 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 boom. So that when and if something hits, You'll be the first one that they dial on the phone to give instructions. Y'all remember that? This, I'm supposed to close because I got, forgot I got to get out of here. But I still got to talk to first-time visitors. So don't worry. Y'all remember the man in the Bible that when it was time for people to get saved, God sent an angel and said, make sure that's the first guy. Y'all remember him? What was his name in the book of Acts? Was it Adonis? What was the guy? Can't remember his name offhand. It says that he. This is why I need to pray. This is why I need to read the Bible more too. I think it was Cornelius. Yeah, because I, I tend to forget names. My wife is really good with names. I'm good with faces. So, so. Um, but you remember what the Bible said about him first? The angel showed up and said, "Cornelius, man, great and beloved by God." He said, "Your giving and your prayers have come up as a memorial." And because of how disciplined and faithful you are with that, when it came to the rescue plan from hell, your name was the first one on the list. I need my name to be the first on the list. You know, not the last. At least in the top ten. You know what I'm saying? Top five. You five, top five. At least, at least on the first page. I need my name at the back of the list when it comes to the rescue plan. Because let me tell you something. When it comes to the rescue plan, God always goes for the faithful first. Not the ones faithful to make excuses. Not the ones staff-stepping. Not, well, the Lord knows my heart. Yeah, he knows your heart. He knows that your heart is rebellious and wicked. That's why you won't do the right thing. He said, get to the back of the line. And no, I don't plan on being in the back of the line. And based on some things the Lord showed me, I'm not in the front. We're not talking about sin. We're talking about. You have to go to heaven with a resume of what did you do for the Lord when it came to the real raw stuff. They're not impressed with preaching. They're not impressed with titles and money and, and your degrees. It's, what did you do for the Lord? Monday through Saturday. Well, I was a pastor. Wonderful. What did you do Monday through Saturday? Well, I preached. Wonderful. What did you do Monday through Saturday with your lifestyle and your actions based on the reward system? How much did you give to the poor? How much did you read? Because most pastors, they study to preach. They don't study to live. How much did you pray? How much of what you told them to do did you do? You taught them the heavenly reward, but did you practice it? You understand what I'm saying? And it's easy to get, as a pastor, as pastors, it's easy to get caught up in the work of the ministry. But you remember what Jesus told Martha? He said, you're worried about work. Martha's worried about the word. 
and she chose the better part and nobody will take it from her which lets you know you have to be careful about work your work might be taken away from the word Ooh, Jesus on how many know we're going up we're gonna get ourselves together we're gonna we're gonna get it together I have to be totally honest with you this next phase is gonna be the Lord using me to get everybody extremely committed just just committed just committed committed and you know how many of you know that if you started a job in a month and and you go from ten dollars an hour to a hundred dollars an hour the new job is a hundred dollars an hour and the job you're on is ten dollars an hour how many of you know that everything that you would do for the next month that you're on the ten dollar an hour job is to prepare for the one that's a hundred dollars an hour that's how you need to look at your life whether you're a teenager or whether you're a senior citizen you need to look at the remaining part of your life is you on a ten dollar an hour job and you are not getting ready to prepare for a hundred dollars an hour but if you don't prepare correctly it may not be a hundred dollars an hour it may only be twenty because Jesus said I'm coming back and I'm bringing my reward with me he didn't even say judgment he said I'm bringing my paycheck with me to give back to those based on what they did for me so everything that I teach is based on going to be preparing you for eternity so as a result of that our church services won't look like others this next phase you all is about us going out more going out releasing people even to go out that's why I have to do this school of ministry first so that people don't go out and lose their mind you know what I'm saying because you can kill yourself trying to climb this ladder called ministry one wrong turn you can derail yourself for years but it's easy to stay on track if somebody teaches you how to stay on track it's not that difficult but how many know it's still difficult if nobody taught you how to stay on track so I've heard a lot of people say, I'm getting ready to start a ministry, I'm getting ready to start a ministry. As soon as I hear him talking, I'm like, mm, we need to talk because you're already getting ready to come out the gate wrong. Coming out the gate wrong. 1,400 churches a year, I'm sorry, 1,400 churches a month close. A month. It's crazy, isn't it? Let's go ahead and stand. Thank you, O Lord God. Put up Romans 3.25. It says, for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. Romans 4, 7 says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those who record the Lord is cleared of sin. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you openly declare Jesus the Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it is by believing your heart that you are made right with God and by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. I want to lead everybody in the prayer of salvation and rededication. And if you're here, you're not saved. Okay? You just read scriptures about Jesus paid the price for you. Something mysterious about his blood. It was the price to pay for your eternal life, for your sins to be removed and forgotten. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's the prayer of salvation, the prayer of dedication, rededication, prayer of commitment. Bible says that if you will accept what the Lord did for you in, his, in your heart, say it in the form of a prayer, they would forgive you, cleanse you, and make you a member of heaven. You can only go to heaven if you're a member before you die. Otherwise, you can't go. You have to be a member before you die. You have to be born into it because it's a kingdom. Okay? So I'm going to lead everybody to prayer, and I always have to say this, unfortunately. No, you cannot pray it in your mind. 
You don't order a sandwich in your mind. You don't order a car with your mind. You don't go walk, walking around with your real estate and she got a machine that reads your thoughts. Not to say that because people sometimes are crazy enough. Do I got to say it? No. It just simply means you're not ready to leave hell yet. Somebody dies for you and you can't even say the prayer, you're not ready. So let's all repeat this together. Whether you're here or online, God will answer us and change us where we stand or sit. Say, Father, I receive Jesus Christ as the sacrifice for my sin and my eternal life. Forgive me all of my sins. I thank you for cleansing me and forgiving me. And with this simple prayer, not only am I forgiven, not only am I cleansed, but I'm saved, I'm a member of heaven, I'm born again, and my name is in the book of life. Thank you for receiving me. Thank you for making me a son of the kingdom of God. Thank you, O oh Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, O oh Lord God, for those here or online that have prayed that prayer. We come into agreement that you will place a seal of protection around them, O oh Lord God, for this season so they can get to a certain level of maturity where they can maintain on their own. I thank you, O oh Lord God, for today's lesson about the supernatural side of the word, the things that are hidden there for our benefit, and how Satan is the ultimate thief and tries to keep us out of that book. Keep us out of that book, O oh Lord God. But we thank you for giving us grace and power. Thank you, O oh Lord God, for embracing us and empowering us, O oh Lord, to stay in the word. You said to lay up the word in our heart. We know, oh Lord God, when we stand before you, one of those things that we'll be rewarded for is our word time. Not only just reading it, studying it, but also how we obeyed it and how we lived it. Thank you, Father God, for doing this. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.